Welcome to Growth Marketing Today, where marketers, designers, and product owners level up their growth marketing chops from experts in today's top startups. Here's your host, Ramley John. Welcome to episode 73 of Growth Marketing Today. I'm your host, Ramley John, and I am here on a mission to help marketers and founders like you sharpen their marketing skills by talking to some of today's top experts. Today is all about marketing for small businesses versus enterprise-level companies. And I have Casey Baines is that probably the expert at that because she's worked for FreshBooks, which targets small and medium businesses and even solopreneurs. Versus now she's working as head of marketing at DataTrue, which targets enterprise level companies. In episode 73, you'll learn what are the similarities and differences with selling to SMBs versus enterprise. Second, how do you adapt your content strategy when selling to the different types of businesses, whether it's small businesses or enterprise? And third, what are the marketing foundations that should remain the same regardless of who you're selling to? Before we jump in, I just want to thank those who made this episode possible. These folks help cover the cost of hosting and marketing tools I use so that I can focus on getting amazing experts that you and I can learn from. I just want to thank the sponsor for this episode, Rank Science. They're the easiest way to grow organic traffic and get your content ranking higher in Google. They've created this really cool algorithm that uses real-time search data to help you craft content that is relevant to searchers' intent and maps directly to what users are searching for. You can sign up for a free 30-day trial at rankscience.com forward slash grow today, or you can find that link in the description. Enough about this, let's jump into my chat with Casey. Hey everybody, I'm excited to talk to Casey, who is head of marketing at Data2 here. Uh, how is it going, Casey? How are things with you? Great. Thank you so much for having me on today. Really excited to be here. And we chatted a bit about this, but I'd like to give my listeners context. Where are you uh, recording this from this morning? So I am in... Uh, Gorgeous Vancouver this morning. I am, uh, as I was mentioning to you, I'm a Toronto native, but moved out to the West Coast uh, about five years ago. And it's, uh, yeah, it's been really exciting to see the Vancouver tech and startup scene grow and really to be a part of that. I might be putting you on a spot, but do you find you know the Vancouver scene is better than Toronto scene or you don't have enough context from the Toronto tech scene to really make the comparison? I think they definitely they have different different strengths and I mean Toronto scene is much bigger so it's easier to find people who do things that are um, like in the exact same industry or vertical as you whereas in Vancouver since the, the tech scene's a bit newer it's kind of all of the tech startups together and it's you just kind of bring everybody together because because just because the numbers are smaller. So different strengths in both of them. Yeah, so it's nice to, I mean, I get over to Toronto um, quite a few times a year. So nice to kind of connect with everybody back there and um, bring some lessons back to the West Coast. I always want to hear the story of how people got to where they're at because I always find it's not a linear path that I used to think when I was very young. So can you share your story of how you became head of marketing at DataTrue? Yeah. So um, I've been in SaaS and tech marketing my whole career. So um, going on like 15 years now. Uh, same thing as you. Um, when I So I went to uh, University of Toronto, did business there. And uh, my thought was, you know, um, I'm going to go on a co-op term, they're going to hire me and I'm going to work at the same company forever. And um, yeah, it's so funny to see um, to see how things have changed. But I was lucky in that my first co-op term was with um, Sun Microsystems. And I've always been um, definitely a tech nerd. I was, you know, building web pages on GeoCities like in the early <laughs> days and all that good stuff. Wow. 
Yeah. So it was nice to like find something that kind of brought all of my passions together. So I've worked for some great companies. I was in the early days of FreshBooks and worked remote for Olark Live Chat. So it is really interesting to be able to try a lot of different things. And I find that's really one of the benefits in working in startups and especially in tech is that you can really find out like what you're passionate about and really where your strengths lie. I mean, I've done a lot of, uh, I've done some speaking out at UB see it here in Vancouver. And it's so interesting to talk to, um, you know, students that are in school now and to really tell them like a lot of the, like the best jobs that I've had in my career, I didn't even know they were a job until I started doing it. And it's surprising how things can kind of go into a, go from um, an experiment or a project and then really turn into, you know, a multi-year career. So it's been really exciting to kind of see, see growth kind of in the tech and startup community and really be able to, to be a part of that. And I'm so lucky. I mean, I uh, love the team at DataTrue. I've been there almost a year now and it brings together really my love of data analytics and numbers combined with my passion for marketing. And it's a small startup team as well. And I get to um, not just do the marketing, which is really exciting, but also like lead the North American team, work on strategy, but still get to like roll up my sleeves and get things done because it's kind of interesting to see, especially as you grow in your career, you can get really removed from like the day to day. So sometimes it's nice to just dig in and like edit that landing page or send out that marketing campaign and be able to see the results. So uh, best of both worlds. No, that's that's true. That's, that totally makes sense. Sometimes you, you don't want to be too far away from actually getting into the weeds and actually implementing it because it's so rewarding. For my listeners who don't know, what is data through uh, and what do, do they do? Yeah, so um, DataTrue is uh, digital data government. So it is the best way to help companies track and analyze your data while also preventing data leaks of personal information. So we work with a ton of great companies, some of the largest credit card companies, car manufacturers, a lot of different agencies, and really help them track all of the data that is going in and out of their website and helping to prevent a lot of um, like personal information leaks. It is uh, one of my favorite stories, which as a marketer is both a pro and a con, is we had a large telco company and we with our software, we were actually able to prevent them from having a huge data wow. leak. And it's a great story, but unfortunately we can't say the company name <laughs> because nobody wants you to know that they almost you know had something that, that would have made uh, the evening news but being able to really help that for companies and working with a lot of um, marketing agencies, which is really exciting, as well as large enterprise companies, which is a bit of a change for me, but also just really exciting to help those folks solve their problems. No, that's very relevant because a lot of hacks have been happening, like with Capital One and other places. So those are the kind of companies that you're helping with, uh, helping with those companies that might potentially get hacked. Yeah, exactly. And it is, it's interesting because as like a marketer, generally like in the small medium business size space, um, like I, you know, you add lots of different tags to your website, you add your Google analytics tag, your HubSpot tracking, your Facebook pixel, all of those kind of things. And especially if you're working with an agency, they may come in and add more tags. And then over the years, it's kind of interesting to see, um, like we have a tag audit report in our site where you can just run it and see all of the um, all of the data that's going in and out of your website. And it's kind of amazing to see, you know what, um, we've had these things from like, you find these things from an agency they worked with five years ago, or a consultant that they worked with briefly, 
and that data is still going in and out. So it's like, hey, we need to uh, we need to clean this up and just make sure that we're protecting our users' data, especially as that's uh, super valuable and the right thing to do for your customer. Uh, so are you are you targeting more enterprise companies or like more small to medium businesses or a little bit of both? So our customers are mainly enterprise customers, and it's interesting. So we did a um, a panel for Vancouver Startup Week, which was about selling to enterprise customers as a startup, and a lot of startups generally focus on other startups because, I mean, you understand the market, you're in it yourself. But it's really interesting to be able to go in and solve some of those enterprise level problems. A lot of times it is, you know, a bit of a longer process because they have legal departments and procurement and those kind of things. But you can really get some large deals, which are great for startups, especially for managing your cash flow and that kind of thing. Great logos to have on your website, of course. But you're really able to have kind of like that nimbleness and that like able to agility that a lot of large vendors don't have. So it's really an interesting market and something that I think a lot of startups, if you're if you have the product market fit, should not be afraid to kind of get into the enterprise market. That's interesting because like it seems like you have a little bit of both experience. Like you have you went to FreshBooks is targeting small medium businesses and all are maybe a little bit of both and now the price uh, is for it. Yeah, so it's been interesting to kind of see the differences, but also the similarities in essentially what it boils down to if you're selling to a startup or like a Fortune 500 company is you're really helping an individual solve their problems. Um, and then you have all of the other stuff. I mean, when you're working with a startup, yep, the person you're talking to is probably the founder, can pull out their credit card and Put it in the form right away. Whereas, you know, um, the head of analytics um, at a, you know, a big company probably has to go through a bit more of a process. But it's really about understanding who your target persona is and who that who that person is more so than um, everything else that's going on in the company. Of course, that's a factor, but really just important to like understand what that person's challenges are. Right. That that totally makes sense. So when you got hired at DataTrue uh, to lead their marketing team, did they already have a marketing department or the marketing, or did you have to build that out yourself? Yeah. So I got to build it out myself, which is really exciting. As it happens in a lot of startup companies, so our CEO, Michelle McGrath, who is amazing um, and not not just saying that because she's my boss, but she really is, um, and a great uh, leader in the analytics community. But she had been doing some of, she had a marketing background originally, so she had been doing some of the marketing, but it is, you know, being a CEO is a full-time job. So being able to um, to do that is, is definitely a challenge. So I got to come in, take a lot of stuff off of her plate, but also like really have the time to to spend more time on it, figure out like all of the the data and the metrics, bring in a lot of like the marketing automation tools and those kind of things. So I really got to build the team um, from scratch. So I was the sole marketer um, when I started. And right now um, I have a team of about five freelancers and contractors. Yeah. That helped me out with everything from like design and PPC. Um, I have a great editor. It is really nice to be able to like, I refer to them as the dream team and emails all the time. Um, I don't know if they find it as amusing as I do, but they're all part of the nice thing about like having been in this space for a while is that there are great people out there and being able to bring them with me to my next role and kind of bring in, uh, you know, all of these star players where I know their strengths and um, we understand how each other works and being able to build that together is is really exciting and just being able to like 
make a lot of progress and, and get things done, which is really exciting. I want to talk about that. I definitely want to talk about hiring, but I want to take a step back. You just got hired, like you said, a, a year about a year ago. What was the first thing that you did first 90, 100 days that really set the foundation for whatever you're going to do going forward? I think this is such a great question and not just if you're going to um, like a marketing leadership role, but really like anytime you're going into a new job, especially if you are doing a new role, I think it's really important. And um, of course, if you're doing a new leadership role, because that's where you want to prove the value of what you're doing and also set some expectations within the company. So the first thing that I did, I mean, of course, there was a a spreadsheet list of like things that we need Casey to do when she starts. That was kind of good in that I was able to just like cross some stuff on the list and like feel like I was doing something, especially uh, in the first week. But I made some time to just sit down and really understand like what are the company's goals and what are their main KPIs? And you want to find out what areas of those I can influence. So if you have, you know, we have some revenue goals and all of that kind of stuff. So being able to work that backwards as a marketer and say, okay, so these are our revenue goals. What is our average deal size? What number, you know, just kind of working backwards. So average deal size, leads that go to sales, what's their average close rate? And that's kind of where things ended for us. We had a some leads kind of in floating around in different systems, but we didn't really have a good tracking point on the, um, on the marketing side. So I knew out of um, leads that went to sales, um, they had a pretty good close rate. Our sales team is awesome. I knew our average deal size, how long a deal took to close. So on that side, I was able to kind of work backwards and fill in the marketing metrics. Because we didn't have it, there was a lot of spreadsheeting, which as a numbers nerd, I was pretty happy about. Sometimes you do just need to dig into the weeds, especially during those first few months, because you really need to set some benchmarks about what what your goals are. You don't just want to pick a number out of a hat. Um, There are lots of great kind of industry reports out there. I love the um, Unbounce has a bunch of industry stats about um, conversion rates and that kind of stuff. So that's a great place to start if you need something to, once you figure out your numbers, or let's say you're going in and you have nothing, like there's no data, there's nothing to start from. That's a great spot to at least get like some baseline so that you can figure out what we're trying to do. But you want to figure out, so I did a bunch of things by hand. So everyone that we had met at uh, Adobe Summit, which is a big trade show for us, how many of those people turned into customers? There's a lot of going through things by hand, but it is so important just to be able to figure out like what is our cost per lead? What is our like conversion rate? All of those kind of things. Because until you have you have some numbers, it's really hard to know if you're doing well or not. Because I mean, some businesses will get 50 leads a day and some businesses will get two leads a day. And that doesn't necessarily mean that one is better than other. There are so many other factors like conversion rates, like average deal size, all of those kind of things. So you want to look at the whole picture, but definitely taking some time to go through metrics. Um, One of the other things um, in this company, I was the first marketer, so not as relevant, but in past companies, when you are inheriting a team, if they are reporting to you or if they're just your colleagues, um, you want to make sure that you spend some time with each person, especially in a leadership role. So important to understand what their own goals are, what their strengths are, what their challenges are, what are they passionate about, so that you can, one, just like get off on a good foot as a leader, but also just to really get to know them. And as you're putting together, you know, your marketing plan, 
understand what people are doing and like build on their strengths. Um, let me see here. Yeah. The first few months, really, it's all about learning. I love to say like you get a free pass to ask as many questions as you want in the first month and having a, a leader or somebody that you report to that understands this is really great. One of the nice things, uh, like during probably my first month, like me and my CEO talked almost every day, which was really nice because I was able to, yeah, um, ask a bunch of questions, even just little things like, Hey, I have Google analytics permission, but I don't have admin rights. So I can't make target audiences like things like that, where it's like, Hey, I just need this to get my job done. And it also helps just being able to say like, Hey, these are the main things I did today. This is the progress I'm making. And just being able to like really build that trust together as you go. And one of the, one of the books I recommend is the first 90 days by Michael Watkins. Great read just to kind of help frame when you're going into a new role about setting setting goals for yourself, not being overwhelmed. It is super easy to kind of feel like you need to plan out the whole year within the first two weeks. Take some time to really understand your team, your company, and of course, your customers. Like do a bunch of customer interviews. This is kind of the time where you get to like figure out your priorities and really take that time to set, set the foundation that's going to make everything so much easier for you in the months to come. Once you've did this analysis, you've looked at the metrics, set goals, and what were the priorities that you focus on for data through once you have the foundation set? So my main goal was one, just about tracking so I can see what leads closed and what didn't. And my main goal was really about getting more sales qualified leads or SQLs. A lot of the leads that we had coming in were really our sales team just going out and, you know, cold calling and doing their thing in kind of that traditional manner. So for us to be able to scale, like we really needed to, to get more leads. And for DataTrue, like our average customer is very, it's a very kind of niche market. So it's somebody that is the head of like digital marketing, digital analytics, um, like web analytics manager, those kind of things. So in a way that was really helpful to me, because especially when you're going and doing LinkedIn ads or Google ads or that kind of thing, Starting small and starting really focused was a great way for me to just reach out to this market and find out who these people are. So I was able to kind of divide things, I would say, into like three main pillars that I did. The first was definitely about just setting up our marketing automation systems. I am a giant HubSpot fangirl for anyone who knows me. There are a lot of great systems out there. Really, the most important thing is just finding something that works. But setting up our HubSpot account, making sure that it linked to our Google Analytics, our HubSpot tracking code was on our website, all of our social media properties were linked in, you know, our Facebook pixel, all of that kind of stuff. So that I can really um, track things throughout the process. Uh, so analytics and marketing automation was one of the big things. And being able to report on a weekly basis to um, my fellow leaders on the team was really powerful because they hadn't really had that visibility. And I also, you know, as a new leader in a company, you want to make sure that you're that you're providing an ROI on your own on your own work and your own effort. And just being able to say, like, hey, you know what? We got 12 new leads this week, four of them went over to sales and using, you know, JP's conversion rate, we'll probably close this many and get this much revenue. So being able to say that as a marketer is just so powerful. And that's the kind of thing that, you know, no matter their role, if you're looking at, we have a CEO, CTO, and 
COO, like even the COO who's not related to marketing at all, like he can still understand, you know what, like marketing is likely to make us this much revenue this week, which is pretty exciting. So once you've got your your marketing automation and your data, the next part is really about just like getting more leads. So developing a lot of content and figuring out the best ways to get that out to our customer, our potential customers. So we tested all kinds of things. And this is where I will say, if something is not your expertise area, don't be afraid to bring in help. Um, I work with a great PPC and paid ad consultant who helps us um, set up all kinds of experiments and that kind of thing. And while, I mean, I can definitely set up a Google ad, and I, as I think most of your listeners can, to have somebody like Eva who you know spends eight hours a day in Google Analytics and um, Google Ads being able to optimize for that for you is really powerful and just helps you learn a lot very quickly without spending too much money. So figuring out, okay, where where are our customers? And lastly, like what kind of content are they interested in? So I did a bunch of customer interviews. And it's funny when you when you interview somebody who has not done a customer interview before. I interviewed one of our customers and he had like all of this product feedback. I mean, as a data analyst, he's very organized. And then I asked a bunch of questions just about like, hey, like, what is your biggest challenge for your team? Like, what's keeping you up at night? And he's like, about the product? I'm like, no, just in general, like kind of to get a picture. So it, it was interesting to, to really learn about, okay, what, what really makes them tick? What kind of metrics are they reporting to their team? Like, what are some of the challenges that they're having? Even if it's something that our product can't handle directly, when you're looking in terms of like content creation, really understanding what makes my client tick is really important to making effective content for your for your prospects. That's great. That I love I love that you're A/B testing all this type of content. What content uh, ended up working the best to bring in that SQL? Yeah, so our probably biggest thing was privacy and data security. So we did a bunch of things. We had like uh, tag migration guides and just kind of like some in-depth knowledge on like data assurance, but uh Security and privacy is really like our one, it's very topical with all kinds of like Macy's just had a big data breach this week. Yeah, so it's very topical, but it is also very relevant and really like a big concern to a lot of our customers, especially when you're the, you know, the head of the analytics team, this stuff essentially falls under you. So it's been interesting to see the difference, you know, different types of content and but definitely test a bunch of stuff. You know, you want to test what's in the news right now, those how-to guides, like just kind of industry expertise things, and just kind of see what uh, what works for you. And it's interesting because I don't like, there's even things that have not, you know, had a huge spike in leads are still bringing in like, you know, one or two leads a week. And to have that kind of long tail content that just kind of, you know, keeps chugging along in the background, that's not a bad thing. And even if it is just, it's been interesting for us to figure out like, what we thought was top of funnel content versus what actually is top of funnel content. Um, Because you kind of plan things out as a marketer, you think, okay, people are going to go through this certain customer journey, but it's interesting to see what actually is the first, um, the first interaction they have with you versus before they uh, turn into a closed sale. And I will say one of the, one of the things I did actually just for my own um, interest, but it turned out to be one of the most powerful things um, like for our leadership team was um, for new customers, I will go through and really outline their whole customer journey. So on this date, we met them at a trade show. 
on this day, they downloaded a white paper. Like I go through the whole process um, and HubSpot shows me all of that information so that I'm able to say like, hey, they did all of these things before they went over to sales. Then they interacted with a few more pieces and then they closed. So even just at this point, it's just a spreadsheet where I list a bunch of customers and all of the uh, campaigns they interacted with. So it's really interesting to see, you know, what this, we had a customer that actually downloaded the same white paper, I think two or three times before they became a customer. So it's really interesting to see, okay, this is like a really interesting piece of content and it's like moving them along in the funnel. One, it's a good learning. Maybe we need to like break it up into chunks, but just being able to see how you think as a marketer, people are going to go through your customer journey versus what they actually do um, before they become a sale for you. When we come back in just a moment, Casey shares the best type of content that is working right now to generate new leads for data through. And also one advice that she suggests for any marketers who aspires to be head of marketing someday. I just want to thank the sponsor for this episode, Rank Science. Rank Science provides tools that help you grow your organic traffic and get your content ranking higher in Google. They provide your content team superpowers. And let me explain what that means because they really do provide your team superpowers. First, they have an algorithm that uses real-time search data and natural language processing to help you craft content that is highly relevant to search intent. It maps out their search intent to the keywords that they've typed into Google or other search engines. This allows you to optimize your past blog posts and plan out and create new ones, giving you a step-by-step plan for easy success. They've also created an SEO A-B testing platform that help you easily test which HTML changes causes an uplift in your search traffic. As an added bonus, their platform allows marketers to make SEO enhancement to websites without eating up precious engineering resources. Rank Science is used by hundreds of companies to grow organic traffic from startups to publicly traded companies, including customers like BuildZoom, Goldbelly, Sweetness, and Career Karma. Sign up for a risk-free 30-day trial at rankscience.com forward slash grow today, or you can find that link in the description of this podcast. Now, if you don't like ads like this, support me for as little as $2 per episode for an ad-free version of this podcast. You'll also know who I have coming up as guests and be part of a private Slack group and have monthly video calls with me if you'd like. Go to patreon.com forward slash grow today to help me with the cost to maintain and grow this podcast. You can find that link in the description of this podcast. Enough about this, let's jump back into my chat with Casey. You said something interesting there. You There was some content that you thought would be top of funnel, but ended up didn't not being top of funnel. What, what type of content now is working really well at the top of funnel? Yeah. So this has been interesting because me and Eva, my PPC consultant, we had worked together in the past as well. So being able to, um, like, we're like, okay, we're going to do this thing on Facebook. It's going to be awesome. But uh, we had like this tag audit report and it was not actually, we get people clicking on it, but not converting. So not filling out the form. We're like, oh, this, we thought for this audience, they would be wanting to jump right, like right into the good stuff. Um, but it turns out that was not a top of final piece. So um, really good learning because I was feeling 
pretty confident about this. But I mean, as uh, as every marketer had, has experienced, that's why it's important to test. But a lot of the a lot of the white papers has have been great top of funnel content for us. So some of those more timely, like industry news and that kind of thing, and just kind of more I'm going to say like research oriented papers have been great top of funnel things for us. So I will say definitely test not only different audiences. Some things will work really well on Google Ads, but not work well on Facebook. Will work well, you know, as a event follow up, but not necessarily on like a LinkedIn lead form. So you want to test all of the different markets. But um, also, don't be discouraged if something that you thought was top of funnel turns out it's not. Um, that's that's part of our job, and that's part of the fun is just being able to say like, hey even just reporting to your team and just being really open about, you know what, we ran this experiment. I spent $500. We only got two leads. None of them converted. It's okay. This is what we learned. And this is what we're going to do differently next time. And then the next time you go back to your team, you're able to say like, Hey, you know what? We ran this campaign for $500. We got 50 leads and five of them converted. So, I mean, that is uh, the kind of stuff that you want to be able to do. Now, when it comes to white paper, sometimes it takes a while to put that together. Do, do you have somebody on your team that's putting together content? Yes. So I work with a few great writers who are able to turn our technical content into something that is more marketing friendly and more easily consumable. So this is one of the challenges, um, especially for a lot of startup and tech companies, when your product is more technical or coming in as a marketer, if it is an area that is newer to you, especially in the beginning, I didn't have, I mean, I understood on like a high level why our product was important and how it helps people. But in terms of like talking to the data scientists at our companies and our customers and like really getting into the weeds, it's something that takes some time. So being able to get, you know, the notes from our, our head of development, or our CTO about the new product features, I was able to internally work with our support and success folks. Our sales folks have been super helpful just in helping me understand, okay, how are we going to transition this technical content? Like, what does that actually mean for our customers? And then making sure that you're not just working with a great writer, but working with a great writer who can take any kind of technical content and turn it into something that is a bit more approachable. So that was really important, just about finding the right, the right fit in terms of writing style and understanding to be able to keep keep some of the technical stuff because that's what our audience is interested in, but make it a little bit more consumable so that not only the data analysts can understand it, but when they go to their boss and say like, hey, we need this new tool, read this white paper to find out why, they also understand what's going on. When it comes to now you have the content, have you figured out which channel is working? Because you talked about Facebook ads, like are LinkedIn ads working better or is there a specific channel that's working better for you? So our our best channel in terms of paid ads has definitely been Google ads. Oh. Yeah, so we put our Facebook ads on pause actually because they weren't, um, we were getting lots of clicks, but they just weren't converting. And we tried a bunch of different, a bunch of different content pages and we uh, we're going to, I mean, that's not a no to Facebook ads forever, I think. Um, but it does take some experimentation because we had like great leading metrics on there. So great like interaction with our ads, but they just weren't converting into 
leads at a high enough rate or into sales for us. But where we have had success is in Google ads and really finding out, okay, what are the, we've done a ton of keyword research, um, lots of A-B testing on our messaging, on our landing pages, really figuring out how to do that. And also we're experimenting with the new LinkedIn lead forms, which at the, at the beginning, I was a little bit cautious about, like as a marketer, obviously I love it for there to be new ways to, to get leads, but I have some sales experience as well. I actually started off at FreshBooks in the sales team. Yeah. I think that's important for marketers kind of to understand what it's like on the other side of the table. But um, yeah, coming from like having that sales experience, I said to JP, who is our head of sales, I'm like, hey, I'm running this new campaign with these LinkedIn lead forms. So it's very easy for for prospects to fill out. Said, if the leads are all crappy, like, please tell me it will not hurt my feelings. Because with things like that, it's easy to get the volume, but not have them convert. And I think that's where it's so important to have a marketing and sales team that are really aligned and on the same page. Because I know in some companies, there can be a bit of, you know, a bit of a struggle between the two teams. But really, you're working together for the same end goal. And if you both, you know, have that cooperation and that collaboration, and that trust within teams, like you're both going to hit your goals a lot faster. So really like having that, me being able to say to JP, hey, like if these leads are no good, like just tell me rather than me focused on, you know what, I sent you a hundred leads and you closed none of them. Like what's wrong with you? So having that collaboration and really being focused as a marketer on not just getting a lot of leads, but getting the right kind of leads and making sure that um, your leadership team and your own metrics represent that as well. Like it, it really is about quality over quantity. It is once you've been doing this for a while, you know, it's, it's easy to get a lot of email addresses, but the most important thing is like, you want to make sure that the ROI, is there. And not just the ROI, you want to make sure that you're providing revenue for your company so that your company is still around next year, right? So being able to focus on like those quality leads is really important. I didn't know you started off in sales at FreshBooks. The one thing that you also, I I read in your bio is that you built out the content channel there. And when we were chatting about topics, you said that channel and community marketing program is something that you can talk about. Can you talk about that? How How did you start off building that channel for FreshBooks? Yeah. So um, that is definitely one of the things I am most proud of in in my career was building out the accountant channel at FreshBooks. So um, I started out there um, as one of the members of their brand new sales team. I had been leading the marketing team at my past um, job in engineering software. And I think as any any marketer who has worked with a sales team, you kind of think, okay, if these salespeople just did what I told them, they would close so much more. So uh, I thought, you know what, I better put my money where my mouth is. I'm going to try sales and see if I just do all of my ideas. Is that going to, you know, um, is, is that going to work the magic? And it was, uh, I mean, kudos to all the salespeople out there. It is, it is a challenging role, but it was a lot of fun. Got to work really hard, meet some great goals, kind of like help bring the company really to like the next step. So at that point, the company, we were like 35 people. And now it is in the hundreds, opening up multiple offices and that kind of thing. So um, our main target audience at FreshBooks at that point was really like the um, creative professional. So like the graphic designer, the web developer. And one of the main challenges we were having as a business is that our customers would love us. But when they went to their accountant and said, hey, I'm using FreshBooks, um, the accountant would be like, hey, I've never heard of that. You should just use QuickBooks. Um, Which like as a salesperson is very frustrating. And also, like as a business, it's like, okay, 
we need to reach out to this new market. So that's one of the projects that actually started out. So our head of marketing and the CEO uh, pulled me into a meeting and said like, hey, we have this, we have this challenge. Do you want to take three months and see if you can figure it out? Like, okay. And like one of the neat things was it was a, uh, it was a big challenge, but definitely like a, uh, really an honor for me to take this on and kind of show the level of, of trust and like belief they had in me. So I was feeling super inspired and uh, I got to like really figure out, okay, what, what kind of budget do I need? What are my goals? So really like running this program with, with the support of a bigger company, but, um, a lot of it. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not a CPA, but I am, um, a giant finance nerd. As, as I say to like, uh, many of my Kenyan friends are on board with this. I've been like tracking every cent I spent since like my first job at 14. And like, I am, uh, this was definitely my cup of tea. So building the accountant channel, I definitely did a lot of the things I talked about in, um, the, what you do in your first hundred days question without even really realizing it. Part of it was just figuring out, okay, I need to understand this market. Um, I had some friends that were accountants. We had like a few accountants, like in the FreshBooks, uh, world that I was able to call upon to like, really understand, like, what are they doing to, to grow their business? Um, what are their challenges working with small business customers and really kind of getting an understanding of what, um, what the market was. This was a really exciting time, not just for the company, but also just in the accounting industry as well. I remember my first few like CPA trade shows, I'd have people come up to me and ask what the cloud was. Like it was um, not even that long ago. But it was just ac- accounting is more of a traditional industry. So it's not like when you're working with like an app startup or that kind of thing. So really about like building the trust, building the credibility and figuring out, okay, how am I going to connect with these people? And the nice thing is, it's like a community that even now, I mean, I've been out of accounting software for, I don't know, probably like five years now, but I'm still, I'm still great friends with a lot of the people that I got to work with. Um, I'm still involved in the community. I, like it's great to really like make those genuine connections. And that's part of the thing that I really prided myself on during my time in sales as well was one of the things that I would say say to prospects is, you know what, I want to make sure that this is the best fit for for you. And if it's not, in some cases, people were looking for something and it's like, you know what, there's like some weird workarounds. Maybe you can kind of do it this way. But I'd say, you know what, you should probably look at these these other solutions, because at the end of this, like, I want us to be friends. And if you try and like shoehorn your problem into this solution, that's not really built for it. Like, we're not going to be friends at the end, you're going to be frustrated, I'm going to be frustrated. So let's find something that that works for both of us and really figuring out, okay, for the accountant channel, how does FreshBooks fit into their workflow? Like what integrations do they need? So I was able to build out an integration plan. I did a ton of social media, which was so much fun because I just got to like ask genuine questions and be involved in the community. And especially as the accountant in the CPA community was like becoming more, more comfortable online and like more involved in like, we would do like tweet chats and all that kind of stuff, just getting involved in the community that way. And then building out like our actual, okay, what does, what does this actually mean? And how do we want accountants to interact with our system? So it's not something they would use because obviously they have many years of accounting knowledge 
So they're going to use something more built for them, but for their clients to get them on FreshBooks, this is great because it like replaces the shoebox of receipts. It replaces like the hundred, um, you know, Google doc invoices and all of that kind of stuff. Like this is a great thing. How can we export the FreshBooks stuff to, you know, whatever system they're using and how do we help make it easier for them to refer clients and what channels work for this group? that don't necessarily work for some of the other groups. And this was really interesting also just in kind of a shift um, with the team in that, um, so, you know, I'd have like some of our designers help us out and they're used to designing for like cutting edge graphic designers uh, or web developers. And for me to say, okay, like for an accountant, we need to be like more conservative and just being able to like, one, taking the time to really understand the market was so important because then I was able to really tell that story internally so that everyone that was involved with the project, whether they were, you know, taking support calls from accountants or doing the design work or building out that part of the portal, just had like an understanding of, yeah, you know what, accountants are people too, and we can definitely be more fun, but there's some stuff that works really well for like a graphic designer that doesn't work so well for, you know, the average accounting firm out there. Wow. That's great accomplishment. One thing I'm finding with your story right from the beginning, you talked about you're tracking your, your expenses and what you where you spend your money on from the beginning is that you're very data driven and you're, you love data. I'm curious what it means to be data-driven these days because I see it everywhere, like, oh, data-driven this and data-driven that. What does it mean for it to be data-driven in marketing uh, these days? Yeah, it's definitely um, a little bit buzzwordy, but I think it is so important for a marketer. You really need to know, one, this is something that I'm just like, naturally passionate about. So I mean, I can talk about this all day, but it's important to know that things are working and not just... Um, that they like feel good. And this was one of the things, especially in my first role where I got promoted to take over the uh, the marketing team and also the inside sales team. So really to figure out, okay, um, what what is actually working and what should we do more of? And I think especially as more technology tools come out there and as marketing kind of becomes more important for companies, but not just as like something that is going on in the background, but like as a real revenue center for, for a company, being able to prove those metrics and those data um, are important for your leadership team, but also for yourself just to know, to know when you're doing a great job. I think what you want to look at, especially when you are getting more data driven as a marketing team is to figure out your end goal by each project or by each campaign. For some campaigns, you're looking at the number of new customers, For others, it's like brand awareness, whether you're looking at like free trial signups or new leads, you want to know what your goal is going into things. So we do like a uh, a ton of speaking, a ton of PR stuff at DataTrue and some of it, you know, under when I talk about it to our leadership team, I'm like, this is for brand awareness. And also for like personal development, because um, there are people on the team who haven't done a lot of speaking and being able to help them do more of that is like really fulfilling for them and something great to be able to do to get our our name out there. But you really want to be able to like track a campaign all the way 
grew from creative to like views, leads, sign up and revenue. I mean, that kind of having that full chain is really incredible. And I think like as marketers today, we are, we are so lucky to have so many tools to make that easy. Even just an example for this week, we posted a bunch of uh, social stuff on like a recent data breach and was like, Hey, if you want to prevent this from happening at your company, download this report. So I was able to see, Hey, we got a new lead. It came from this report, which came from this tweet. And now they're doing these things on our website. Like just being able to see that whole process is just really exciting and really uh, helps you be a better, a better marketing team. Yeah. It just, it really matters to be able to show your impact on your business. Um, it is especially important for your team. If you're in a leadership role, I think it is so easy to get lost in the weeds and not really see your impact on the business. Really for anybody that's not in a sales role, it can be tough to know, is the work that I'm doing, like, does this actually matter? And being able to say like, Hey, you know what, this campaign that you did, or like this white paper that you wrote brought in this many new customers for the business. Like that is something very exciting for, for your team to be able to take with them and also just like really inspiring for them to know, um, to know what's going on and to really like feel good about their impact on the company. I, I agree with Darren so many levels. I think sometimes marketers, they, they, when they don't measure it, they're just not like kind of insulated and not really proving their value in that case. I'm about to hit my, my time with you. I want to wrap up by asking a couple more questions. The first one is what's your advice to any marketers? who aspire to be head of marketing at someday? So I would say focus on what you're best at. There are so many different areas in marketing and it's really better to be amazing at the things that you are best at rather than just kind of being uh, mediocre at everything. Um, and this is a lesson I got from the team at FreshBooks. So when we started, we each read the uh, the Strength Finder book by um, Tom Rath. And there's a, uh, there's a little quiz that you do as well. And really like the takeaway from that book is it is better to focus on your strengths and really build those up and be amazing at that rather than trying to fix your weaknesses. Although in some cases, you know, it, there are things to be improved upon, but really like building on, okay, what are you best at and what are you most passionate about is so important and has really um, been the, the strongest help for success uh, in my career. Um, I think the other thing is to really find companies that you click with, that you're passionate about what they do. And it's really interesting. I mean, you don't always just need to work for like the, the companies that are, you know, in the news or have the coolest office. But do you like click with their team? Do um, you and the management team really like have the same vision? And is this something that that you can be excited about? And uh, in one of my first jobs, I would tell my team, like, if we're not excited about what we're doing, how can we expect our customers to be? So you want to make sure that you you believe in the company and you believe in what you're doing so that you can help solve problems for your customers. And I would say, lastly, focus on metrics and the impact that your work is having. Even if you are um, more of the creative marketer, get some help from people in the company or other people in the industry just to be able to measure the impact of, of the work that we're doing. The creative part is, is always amazing, but you want to make sure that things are working and that you're able to have those lines where you can pull out at a conference. Like, you know what? I was able to increase revenue three times or, you know, I did this campaign that brought in 50% more revenue than we had done this time last quarter. Those kind of metrics are really important and uh, just really valuable as a marketing leader. Great advice. I really love those. I 
totally agree. And just last question, where can people find out more about you and your work and also Data True? Excellent. Yeah. So uh, you can check me out at caseybain.com. Find me on LinkedIn and all uh, the social networks as well. And for more on DataTrue, you can visit datatrue.com. I love to talk about all this stuff. So feel free to reach out anytime. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it, Casey. Thank you. This has been great. Well, that's it for this episode. I just want to share with you my three key takeaways. First, focus on the individual within the company you're trying to help. Casey said that that's true regardless of the type of company you're selling to whether that's for a small business or enterprise company. It's really about understanding who your target persona is and who that person is. Second, focus on the impact of your work. Casey said it's easy to get lost in the weeds as marketers and not really measure the impact on the business of the work that you provided. Know the impact of your work, such as knowing how many customers came from that campaign that you've launched. And finally, focus on what you're best at. There are so many different areas in marketing. It's really better to be amazing at a few things than being mediocre at a lot of things. Did I miss something? Share with me your takeaways from this episode on Twitter at RamleyJohn or email Ramley at growthtoday.fm. Before I end, I just want to thank those who made this episode possible. These folks help cover the cost of hosting and marketing tools so I can focus on getting amazing experts that you and I can learn from. I just want to thank the episode once again for this episode, Rank Science. They have this really cool tool for content marketing teams to create content that's highly relevant to searchers' intent. They've created a, the algorithm that maps out keywords to the intent of what users are actually searching for. So this allows you to optimize your past blog posts or plan out and create new ones, giving you a step-by-step -step plan for easy success. You can sign up for a risk-free 30-day trial at rankscience.com forward slash grow today. If you've been listening to this podcast for a few episodes now, I'd love for you to support me. There's three easy ways to do so. First, you can share a quote on Twitter or LinkedIn, or you can tell a friend about it. You can go to growtoday.fm forward slash 73 to get some tweetable quotes. Second, join the Grow Today mailing list. You'll get the cheat sheets directly emailed to you. I'll also tell you who my next guests are, and you can ask them questions via email. And third, Support me on Patreon with as little as $2 per episode for an ad-free version of this podcast, exclusive content and access. With your support, I can pay for my hosting fees, marketing tools, so I can get more amazing guests for this podcast. You can go to patreon.com forward slash growth today or you can find a link in the description. Well, that's it for this episode. Until the next one, this is your host, Ramley John. And as always, keep on growing. Passion.